Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission. Today our text is taken from Psalm 51, verse 1, which says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. My goodness, what a good verse this is. We're asking the Lord to have mercy upon us, and of course, without the Lord's mercy, where will we be? We deserve hell, we deserve to pay for our own sins, and yet because the Lord Jesus came and died for our sins on the cross, our sins are blotted out as we put our faith and trust in Him. As we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So His mercies are upon us, and He does love us, and He does care for us, and He does meet our needs. And he does have a tender mercy, and he does blot out our transgressions. What a great God we have. It's so wonderful to be free of our sins so that we can live a righteous life, so that we can commune with the God who loves us. We can come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, and we can sense his presence and his blessing upon our lives. What a great opportunity we have to follow and to live with the Lord Jesus. This is Dennis Campbell standing in for Dr. Brian Albrecht for our Mission Moments this week. Today in our studio, we'd like to talk about what's going on in the Ukraine. Our hearts and prayers are with the people in Ukraine in this state of chaos and uncertainty. We know you, our listeners, are praying for Ukrainians as well. We have Melissa 
Van Meter here as our Director of Communication and Administrative Services to talk about what's going on on the front lines. She's been in constant communication with our ministry partners and missionaries over the last few weeks to the present day. She has been spreading the word of various initiatives of Mission Go and how we're involved. Melissa, it's good to have you with us today. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Dennis. Would you please tell us about how many ministry partners uh, are working in, for Mission Go and what's happening in the location and where they are? That would be my privilege. Right now we have over 10 ministry partners and two missionary couples who are bringing relief to the Ukrainians. Right now these contacts consist of pastors, seminary teachers, and their families who we've known for a long time and trusted for many years. We are now in the, on the ground in Ukraine, Romania, Poland, and Moldova. Mission Go has implemented the Ukrainian Aid in Crisis Fund. We are sending funds directly to these individuals to make an impact and share the love of Jesus to the Ukrainian people. It's important, Dennis, that Christians remember that while horrific things are happening, the doors are wide open for the gospel. This is great to hear. What types of relief is This is great to hear. What types of relief are being provided? Well, overall there's two categories. Mission Go is working with Ukrainian pastors ministering to Ukrainians in country, and we're also helping Ukrainian refugees in neighboring countries. Right now we're working with six Ukrainian pastors who are delivering humanitarian aid in the name of Jesus. A recent story is that two of our pastor friends were delivering bread to families when their vehicle came under fire from the Russian army. They escaped narrowly, and when they made it to their destination, they found bullets in the bread. One of these Ukrainian pastors brought seven orphans into his home, and they're trusting God for his provision. He's actually ministering to over 600 Ukrainians. He's bringing an abundance of supplies to shelters in Jesus' name. He told us just a few days ago that he said every day the situation is getting worse and worse, yet there's an open door for the gospel. In another city, another pastor has brought 30 people into his personal home. He has a wood-burning stove and fireplace, and right now they're keeping people warm, but there's no electricity or no natural gas for heat. They're holding worship services, praying, reading the Bible, and singing. You have another paragraph. That I, you yeah, I guess again. Okay. They are providing countless meals. Medicine is being delivered to diabetics, heart patients, pregnant mothers, and more. Due to incredibly cold weather and COVID-19, many are sick. Our ministry partners are also leading prayer, songs, and preaching in bomb shelters and in basements. What are are there specific ministry stories from the pastors or missionaries you can share with us? Oh, yes, there are many. One specifically shared in a recent report. One lady was very sick and close to death. He says, we went to four pharmacies with the hope to buy some medicine for her. To go to a pharmacy now means to stand in line for six hours every time. So we asked people to be in different lines to buy the necessary medicine. 
the right medicine was found and she's getting better. He said that life is hard now. Two other men who are pastors and teachers are coming to the aid of seminary students and their congregations, along with the, taking the countless opportunities that the Lord gives to share Jesus with unbelievers through humanitarian aid. Thank you, Melissa. I'd like to share. Thank you, Melissa. I'd like to have you back so our listeners can hear more of what is happening in the Ukraine. Is there anything else you'd like to share to close today? Yes, thank you. You know, as we see these horrific things happening around the world today, it is vitally important that we are saturating ourselves in God's Word. Please take encouragement from 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9. through 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Thank you for letting me share today, Dennis. Thank you. It's good to hear what the Lord is doing. Please continue praying for the Ukrainians and those ministries who are being faith so faithful. Please continue to pray for Ukrainians and those ministering faithfully. If the Lord lays it on your heart to give today, please visit please visit missiongo.org/ukrainian or send a check to our office or write in on the subject line Ukrainian Aid. If you have any questions, feel free to contact our office at toll-free 866-483-5787. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we cannot continue to be on the air without the support of our faithful listeners and those who pray for us often. This month we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled Prayer. I've uh, read a lot of books on prayer over my lifetime, and this pamphlet, I believe, is the best thing that I've seen on the subject. It covers so many different things. It covers the idea of the basics of how to pray, but more than that, it talks about does God hear all our prayers? Why is prayer important? What about unanswered prayers? What about when God says no? There are three things we need to know before we pray is that God cares for us, that God hears our prayers, and that you can pray with confidence. And I think this pamphlet will help you pray in confidence. I found myself as I was reading through this booklet, because it has over a hundred prayer references, I was praying constantly because there were areas of my life that I've not been praying for or with or to. And uh, it really encouraged me to pray in a much broader spectrum than I have in the past. And I highly recommend this to you. Please write into our broadcast with the request to get the booklet on prayer. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. I'm sure you'll be happy if you write in to get this booklet. It'll be a great blessing to you. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning, and his sermon is entitled, Faith Once Delivered. In the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, he devotes the 15th chapter 
to a thesis on the doctrine of the literal bodily resurrection of the dead. He points out that the validity of the doctrine stands or falls on the accuracy of the claim that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The doctrine of the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is the subject we want to address today as we continue the series of talks entitled the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Thus far we've discussed the verbal inspiration and divine preservation of the infallible and inerrant scriptures, the deity and sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ, and in our last talk, the vicarious blood atonement which Christ made to make possible the remission of our sins. Without shedding of blood is no remission, is God's clear and emphatic assertion. That's why our salvation required the shedding of Christ's blood as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Beware of anyone or any religion that tells you that you can obtain the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life apart from the atoning efficacy of Christ's blood shed for your sins when he died in your place on the cross. Recognize also that after you receive Christ as your Savior and receive forgiveness through him, you are still dependent on the cleansing power of his shed blood to keep you free from sin's defilement day by day. There is solid scriptural basis for the old hymn that Arthur Querngesser sang for us a few minutes ago. Through the blood of the cross I am redeemed from sin. But to be free from dross, Lord, I would enter in. Deeper yet, deeper yet into the crimson flood. Deeper yet, deeper yet under the sheltering blood. Now we turn our attention to what is the foundation stone on which the redemptive work of Jesus Christ rests. It therefore is also the foundation stone on which Christianity rests. That foundation is the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me read Paul's masterful summation of why this is so, as recorded in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be, that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Before we examine the evidence that supports the Bible's assertion that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead three days after his death on the cross, let us recognize how much hinges on the accuracy of this claim. Paul in his thesis enunciates four specific things 
First, the credibility of the Scriptures and of Christian witness. The Bible says Christ was literally resurrected from the dead. If he wasn't, the Bible isn't true. If it contains even one false assertion, it isn't the infallible word of God. The Christian witness of those who preach the resurrection of Christ as a cardinal doctrine affirmed in the Scriptures is also discredited. Paul says, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom ye raise not up, if so be that the dead rise not. 2. If Christ was not resurrected, his deity is called into question. First, because he said before his death that he would rise again. And second, because his literal bodily resurrection is one of the cardinal facts that sets him apart from all other men, and bears witness to his deity. There have been many great religious leaders and teachers. Some of them were founders of great religions whose members and adherents number in the millions. But they're all dead. And because they were mortals and not divine, they remain dead and buried. And their followers have only their memories and their teachings. Christ was altogether different. Being divine as well as human, Death, in his case, was not the end of his living presence in the midst of those who receive him as their Savior. For he alone among all men was literally resurrected from the dead and is alive today and forever. God's invitation to you in the inspired scriptures is to come not to the religion of a prophet or teacher long since dead, but to come to a living divine person who, though crucified for your sins, was literally resurrected from the dead after he had paid in full the price of your redemption. 3. If Christ was not resurrected, all who have put their trust in him for their salvation have been deceived. As Paul says, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. And they also which have died trusting in Christ are perished. The basis of salvation is set out in the faith once delivered is that Christ died for our sins and the evidence that his substitutionary death fully met the demands of divine justice is his literal bodily resurrection from the dead because he could no more be holden of death once he had paid in full the price of our redemption. The scriptures further say he's able to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. His role as our intercessor is dependent on him being raised from the dead after he had died in our stead and shed his blood of atonement for the remission of our sins. For the Bible's assurance that we will someday be resurrected from the dead is a false assurance if Christ was not raised. Paul goes on to say in his thesis, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
That is, it is Christ's literal bodily resurrection that guarantees the resurrection of us all. No wonder the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the foundation stone on which the whole Christian faith rests, and a cardinal doctrine of the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Let us now briefly summarize the great evidences and proofs of Christ's literal bodily resurrection. I direct your attention to six categories of evidence. First, his own testimony. Remember, he was the Son of God. Every word he spoke was absolute truth, for being God he could not lie. Before his crucifixion he foretold his death and declared that he would rise again. Matthew 16:21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and be raised again the third day. After his resurrection he appeared to his disciples and to dispel their doubts said unto them, Behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. 2. There is the evidence of the empty grave. Following Christ's uh, burial, the scribes and Pharisees persuaded Pilate to seal the sepulcher with his own signet, and they placed a contingent from the temple guard to prevent the disciples stealing his body from the tomb. But on the third morning after his burial, the stone was found rolled away and the grave empty, save for an angel of the Lord who said to the frightened women who made the discovery, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. 3. There is the evidence of the numerous eyewitnesses who saw and spake with him after his resurrection. Mary Magdalene, to whom he appeared in the garden as she left the empty sepulcher. The two on the road to Emmaus, whose hearts burned within them as he expounded unto them from the scriptures the things concerning himself. The ten disciples in the room in Jerusalem when Thomas was absent. And the same group eight days later when Thomas was with them. And when Christ said to him, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless but believing. He appeared to seven disciples on the shore of Galilee when they returned from a night's fishing. He told them to cast the net on the other side of the boat, and immediately it was filled with fish. He met and talked with them all on the day of his ascension and opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, where they beheld as he slowly ascended into heaven. But there was even more witnesses of his resurrection. Paul says of Christ in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. And after that was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last of all, Paul says, he was seen of me. 
Certainly the number of eyewitnesses who saw and spoke with Christ after his resurrection leave no doubt that he returned from the dead. Four, further supporting evidence is the unfulfilled prophecies concerning Christ, which cannot be fulfilled unless he was resurrected from the dead. There are the numerous promises of his second coming to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. His role as the future judge of nations foretold in Matthew 25, and his role as the judge of the unbelieving dead when he takes his place on the great right throne, as described in Revelation 20, 11 to 12. None of these prophecies could be fulfilled if Christ's life terminated with his crucifixion. And yet all other prophecies concerning his role in events now history were fulfilled with literal exactitude. Five, a further evidence of his literal resurrection was the proof of his living presence back in heaven after his ascension, when in fulfillment of a promise he had made to his disciples after his resurrection, he sent the divine person of the Holy Spirit upon them at Pentecost as they waited in Jerusalem for the fulfillment of that promise. Peter's explanation to the amazed people who witnessed the phenomenon was that it was the resurrected Christ who had ascended to heaven fulfilling the promise he'd made to them before he ascended. Finally, there is one great and irrefutable proof of Christ's resurrection that anyone who will may experience today. Through Christ's death in your place, his blood atonement for the remission of your sins, and his resurrection from the dead, God opened the door for you to come into a personal relationship with the living resurrected Christ. That is the good news of the gospel of the grace of God that, God willing, I want to discuss with you in detail in our next talk. But let me emphasize as we close, becoming a Christian is not a matter of subscribing to creeds or dogmas or turning over a new leaf or trying to reform your lifestyle. Genuine Bible Christianity is a matter of you coming by faith to the resurrected living Christ and receiving him into your heart and life as your personal savior, and making him the sovereign Lord of your life. Christ said in his prayer to God his Father, this is life eternal, that men might know thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. He further said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You don't need a dead religious prophet or teacher. You need a living Savior, able to save to the uttermost all who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I plead with you to come to the living divine Christ today as he says to you, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Have you opened your heart and life to him? and invited him in to be our Savior and Lord. If not, will you do so today? I trust that the message you just heard will be a great blessing to you this next week. We are so thankful for your continuing listening and uh, encouragement in this ministry. 
here at Cannes National Bible Hour, we're always concerned about the spiritual well-being of the people that actually listen to our broadcasts. But he thought about me, he loved me, he died for me, he rose again on the third day. The scriptures are really clear. It tells us that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us who has committed even one sin in our life who can get into the presence of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ followed the will of the Father. When he came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He paid a penalty that we could not pay. He took the hell that we deserve for our own sin and put it on his own body. He died and he rose on the third day. He's alive. And if we have a sincere prayer, if we really want to confess our sins and realize that he is the only Savior in the world, we can put our faith and trust in him by praying a prayer, asking him to come into our life will be different because God will be in your life and will help you through the difficulties that you face. Remember to order your copy of the booklet on prayer. Write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And you can hear past broadcasts on our website, at www.missiongo.org, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. You can also find us on MGO Radio online. It's a 24-hour service with Christian music and messages. May the Lord bless you this next week.